You're listening to a podcast by the Perennial Leader Project. Welcome back to the show. I hope this finds you wise and well. In this episode, I'm excited to introduce a new series called The Character Lab. The series is a joint venture with my friend Shane Trotter. Shane is a previous podcast guest and author of Setting the Bar. You can expect around six episodes, maybe one every month or two, discussing questions on character formation, virtue, community, meaning, and much more. In today's conversation, Shane and I discuss the importance of character formation in today's society. We explore the impact of technology on character development, the role of community in shaping character, and the need for shared virtues. All right, without any further delay, I hope you enjoy this introduction to the Character Lab with the wise and gracious Shane Trotter. All right, well, Shane, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Josh. It's great to be here. It's good to have you, man. And as I was saying before we hit record, I am uh, super grateful for your for your time and uh, excited to get into this series that we're calling the Character Lab. Um, so we've been kind of chatting through email back and forth a bit. Some listeners are probably familiar with your name and, and voice from being on the on the podcast a couple times already. But over the next year or so, we plan to do, you know, maybe five or six episodes all about character, you know, hence the name, the character lab and um, see if we can't answer a few questions, like explore a few questions, learn you know, a bit about what it means to develop one's character. So again, I'm uh, super grateful. And to kick us off, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing like why you think it's, uh, you know, a good use of time to dedicate, you know, six hours along with probably some prep time and, and thought into the topic of character. Um, I think, thank you for the great introduction. And um, I I think there are kind of multiple levels of this. Um, so uh, I think that the time period that we live in demands uh, the cultivation of character uh, even more than ever before. Uh, and, and I'll say more about that in a second. Um, but uh, also, I think that we are doing a worse job of cultivating character intentionally uh, than almost any time before. Uh, and, and so this is kind of a, a, a lost appreciation of something that every great civilization has intentionally done. Um, we are not intentionally cultivating character and teaching people the process of character formation, um, which is, uh, you know, at the time when it, it is uh, most necessary. Uh, so I often think of, uh, you know, it's kind of been thrown by the wayside, our values, there's been a, a you know, a pretty dramatic value shift uh, and cultural shift uh, since the 1960s, some of it, you know, for, for good reason. Uh, but, you know, I, I would argue that we threw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, and, um, and and so I, I, I would think of like a, a Chesterton's fence. I don't know if you're familiar with the, 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 the uh, analogy, which is the, you know, G.K. Chesterton, Chesterton came up with the idea that, you know, often we... Uh, you could see a fence out in the field and you would say like, well, this is just one little fence. There's nothing around. Um, let's tear it down. It makes no sense that it's there. Um, and, uh, the, uh, a better way to look at that is like, whoa, 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 before you just start tearing things down, let's understand why the fence was put up in the first place. Because if you can't answer that, there's a likelihood that, uh, you're going to find out why the fence was put up in the first place <laughs> uh, because there's going to be some sort of uh, a, of negative consequence that, oh, shoot, I wish I would have known why they put this up in the first place before I got rid of it. Um, and I think that, it, you know, I, I would file character under that. It's, it's like something that every great civilization has put a high premium on throughout time. And now we live in a time with super normal stimuli 
uh, where uh, we're constantly being tempted, uh, tempted by our phones, tempted by hyper palatable foods. Um, and we're constantly being marketed, uh, you know, where people are, uh, you know, some of the most brilliant minds in the world are attempting uh, to, to, you know, they're tracking our data and they're attempting to uh, to influence us, to influence us to buy, to influence us to scroll longer, to influence us to believe things in a certain way. Um, you know, there's you know, propaganda was a big word in the 1940s, but that is a, uh, you know, this isn't political to say, but like that is, you know, the, the, the guy, Edward Bernays, that was behind propaganda, he wrote a book called Propaganda. He became the, uh, the, the, the real founder of the modern marketing uh, industry. Um, so, you know, we live in a world with the, all these screens and everything where um, our character is being formed by a lot of the influences that we just kind of passively, unconsciously subject ourselves to on a daily basis. Um, and, and if you're not intentional about the character you're forming, uh, then, it, you know, that's not to say that your character isn't being formed. It is. It's just probably being uh, formed in a way that you might not like. So I think that, uh, A, this is just something that every great civilization uh, has done and should do. And B, it's more important now than ever. Yeah, that, that's an interesting idea in the way of character formation, that it's it's hap- it's already happening. You know, whether it's just like whether it's... Uh, you know, in- intentionally heading in the right in the right direction, type of thing. Um, I- I'm curious. Like, obviously, uh, you have a book and Substack setting the bar, and I- I've said to you before, like, always read your Substack. Like that is that is the the email that gets that gets opened. And I'm curious, like, if you had to explain, like, briefly, like, what is your Substack about? Like, what what is what is it that you're after? I think that there is a uh, kind of a it's a cultural fo- culturally focused substack. Um, it you know parents are parents and educators are are probably my target uh, audience, uh, but but more than anything, it's about the cultural context and about being intentional about uh, designing your life, designing the values that you're going to instill in the next generation. Uh, and, uh, and and preparing the next generation uh, for this world, um, for you know, giving them the tools to thrive in a very different, dynamic, complex world. Um, and, and I don't think that we're we're adequately doing that in the youth development sector. Uh, and I, I, the, the evidence bears that out pretty pretty overwhelmingly. So a lot of it, what it's about, is exactly what you you know we're talking about here. It's about you know. How do we create people who can thrive uh, in the modern world, the modern context? Yeah, it, it's interesting. Uh, I, I think like the idea that I had um, to do something like this with you probably started maybe six months ago or so. You, uh, I'm, I'm guessing, but you did a post that was talking about um, some work that you were doing with uh, a group of young men. And it it shared a bit of a story, I think, about a, you know, hike or camping trip and things like that. So it's interesting, um, you know, this isn't just something that you write and talk about. It really is something that you, you know, rubber meets the road, you know, putting your actions into, you know, what is this thing of, of character formation? Like, is there anything that, that comes to mind that you could maybe share about that or like just in in general like what you've learned from some of that work of of, you know literally working with with young people around some of these ideas yeah absolutely so um what you're referring to is i i created an organization i called it the order of arete Uh, i wanted it to be kind of invitation i wanted to, to have some prestige i wanted the kids to get excited and feel a sense of pride for who they were becoming um, and I think that's that's really missing from the character, uh, you know, conversation. Often we think of morality, and what do we think of? We think of like a, you know, like a a, a, a youth minister, you know, who's just kind of like a sweet guy. And there's not like this. this there's there's not like a lot of like I want to be that kind of man. This uh, uh, 
or this kind of that kind of person. I want to have that capacity. There's not that that heroic sense around it. Um, so I wanted to to kind of bring them into something. I thought there needed to be a sense of I'm becoming something great so I can be capable, so I can I have a duty to go uh, out in the world to do greater things. Uh, I'm I'm being part of a, a tradition, a heritage of, of of character formation, of creating a certain capacity uh, that was once there and has become lost in some way. Um, and I think that's extremely important. Uh, you know, I, it, again, most societies have done that, but also when you look at youth today, um, Jonathan Haidt put out a great post on it. You know, he's, he's a psychologist kind of at the, the forefront of, of, of understanding what smartphones and social media are doing to youth, uh, video games too. Um, he's got a book, uh, coming out called the anxious generation. Um, and, and, and he put out an article a couple of weeks ago called, uh, where do, or something to the effect of, uh, where do kids go every day? Um, <laughs> and, and he was talking about how over nine hours a day, these kids are on their screen. Um, so their parents aren't raising them. Their teachers aren't raising them for the first time ever. Like their values, you know, talking about the, their character being formed, their values are being created by, uh, the screens, by, by influences across the world, um, by algorithms often. Uh, who have, have very different agendas than than what you know their parents and teachers would select for them. Um, the idea that it, it takes a village to raise a child, um, well, you know that was true back when the village had a real you know kind of core uh, virtue system or value system that it, it, it revolved around. But what is a village today in suburban America? Um, it's a place where there are super targets and there there are new. Uh, fast food chains that we're trying to bring in, but like, what is the core that they, 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 you know, they come together around and they say, this is, this is what makes us who we are. You know, we're losing that. And, 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 and you know, and so in a, in a real respect, we're losing our character. So when I look at youth today, and this is what inspired me to write the book originally, um, setting the bar of the book, um, I feel like these, these, these youth are, are lost. They are, you know, they're, they're not fully activated. They're not fully alive. They're not, you know, they're not inspired to become anything because they don't have this ideal presented in front of them. Um, and they're, they truly, um, don't know who they are and they're scared. There's this anxiety that, that comes with having no idea who, you, how you're supposed to be, who you're, you know, who, who you're supposed to be becoming, uh, what it means when you really are an adult. I mean, we, they haven't, all these like really essential questions to becoming an adult aren't there for them. Um, and their character, uh, well, status has always been the driving force, you know, for, 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 you know, for people older too, but, you know, especially in high school and middle school, you're worried about your status. You're worried about fitting in and the virtues, uh, I use that as in a very broad sense, that term virtues, the virtues that are, uh, that that are appealing to middle schoolers and high schoolers today are really negative virtues. Uh, and I, I found them to be very toxic and destructive. So their minds were really being pulled into this world. And I wanted to give them a competing vision uh, that might help pull them in, in, in a more fulfilling direction. Like it, it's interesting. Like as you're um, talking and, you know, thinking about it and, and things like that, um, there's a, a book that I like, uh, I want to say the name of it is The Book of Virtues um, that I, I found fairly recently. And it's um, kind of oriented towards uh, maybe parents. And there's a thing, it's like, you know, uh, kid appropriate in, in a way of that, like teenage development type of thing. Um, but some of the things that are like interesting to me... Um, like on my Substack, and you know, generally the word like perennial comes comes in quite a bit. And I, um, I don't know. I think there's something important, and I'm kind of a big fan of thinking about like the idea that, like, we as adults, you know, I'm 45 years old, a full, full, full fledged adult, I guess. <laughs> um, but in the way of like the character formation thing, like it's, it's for me, like it's a lifelong, like the, the art of these, uh, lifelong practices. 
type of stuff of thinking about um and obviously you like you and I both have young kids so I I do think about mm-hmm. this this thing in the way of in the way of kids in the way of community in the way of family and things like that um but I don't know like what comes to mind for you around this thing of like the the project of character formation like starts with the individual and essentially that box is never quite like checked. It's never like yeah. off the to-do list. Like every day is my, uh, you know, character formation is on the to-do list, which is, I, I guess for, for some, it it's, it's not always like an inspiring thing to say, like it can be, mm-hmm. I think, but it's not always an inspiring thing that it's like, um, like I'm part of this project, like first and, and foremost. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's really the, it's a shift in, in, in a way of thinking of yourself as like, I'm trying to get somewhere where I'm going to be a finished product versus like, this is a way of being. Um, and, and I would, I would ask quickly, um, that, this thing that you're you're living in this realm you're you're meditating on these ideas you're reading these great ideas you're you're constantly in search of wisdom uh has that been beneficial to you do you feel like your life is richer for it um i do but it's hard to say i would have to say i don't i don't know <laughs> you know um because in a way like some of the stuff of like um say just like doing hard things mm-hmm. um you know like your your backdrop for anybody that's watching you know like these rows i love it like these rows of of squat racks and things like that um in a way sometimes these things like we label them as hard things like say like reading a book searching for wisdom like you know mm-hmm. doing hard things physically but a lot of times we enjoy them. So it's not yeah. really like a hard thing. I like, I kind of want to, to do this. I w- so it's almost like an Epicurean pleasure in a way. Cause I yes. want to, I want to yes. explore it, it, this thing of character, you know? And, and I guess that's what my argument would be yeah. is that, um, you know, to go like Durkheim, there's higher and lower values. There's higher and lower. And, we want to, you know, somehow, maybe it was the military for you, uh, maybe it was your upbringing, somehow certain things got activated in you that made you crave uh, and, and enjoy the the pursuit of wisdom and character formation and growth. Um, and that's really special because uh, you're a better person for it. Uh, when the rubber meets the road, you're going to be more likely to do the right thing when it's hard. You know, everyone likes to, likes to say, you know, who, who they are and what they value. But like, like, are you actually going to do the hard thing when you're put in a situation where it really isn't in your best interest, uh, where you really do want to just go home and you're tired and this, that, and the other thing, but you know, like showing up here is really important. Um, so you're more likely to, to make those decisions that will give you richer relationships that will give you a, a richer life. Um, and so that was activated. Uh, uh, and, and that's a pretty cool thing. And I guess, you know, to go back to my previous answer, you know, that's my fear is that if we, if we just raise kids on screens and easy and, in, you know, infinite, like super crazy amount of, of, of dopamine and pleasure accessible with super little work. Um, if you raise kids in that, I don't know if those deeper pleasures uh, are ever activated. So they might never come to appreciate this pursuit, um, which again, I, I, as you alluded to, is a way of being. You're never a finished product. Um, you are always, you know, aspiring to understand things better. You're, you're aspiring to understand truth and goodness and beauty. But like we, we, we don't know. <laughs> you know, we might get closer, but we never get there. Uh, and, and, and I think that's a really special thing. And, you know, the walking that path is where I find, uh, like that is one of the most rewarding and fun and exciting and energizing pursuits of my life. 
um, which I, I really feel would feel completely lost without. Um, that, that's what brings texture to my life. That's what the greatest experiences of my life. That's why when I can sit around a campfire with uh, another person who is also energized by these ideas, I can have a, a level of conversation that just takes me away for hours and I lose track of it. Um, again, these are experiences. That's why I can you know, get to the end of a, a book like Boys on the Boat and I'm, I'm on the verge of tears because I'm moved and, you know, again, I think that you have to activate these experiences or you have to uh, certain uh, early exposures, what, what opens the door for, for a depth. Um, and again, I think, again, that, that is character formation. Yeah. And, and for the listeners, um, today's episode is really kind of an, an introduction and an overview, what we hope to do in future episodes is hone in on a, on a particular question or, you know, sliver of, of this thing of, of character. And I think, um, at the end of it, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to have like greater clarity and maybe we can dis discuss, like maybe put something together in some sort of free ebook or something like that, a reading list or wh whatever it may be, you know, put some of these ideas. But um, it, it, to me, it does seem like clarity around things really matters. Like sometimes I think about the setting the bar idea, which I like love the, the name, but I think about my time as a, like a young person going into the military kind of my first like real uh moral education i would say in the way yeah. of things are written down like there's such a thing as like principles there's core values you know this thing of integrity is like written down it's like etched in stone places um and like there is something just so important it seems like to have some sort of standard and i think in our first conversation we were kind of talking about uh it if for if listeners want to go back and listen it might be called the wisdom of standards but such mm -hmm. an interesting idea where it's like there can be this standard you know there's a principle that we identify we get clarity on what matters and then like as we navigate life whether it's culture like whatever it may be it's like there's a pull to drag that down to like lower the bar. There's some sort mm -hmm. of, um, you know, maybe it's our like natural pull to not do hard things or the path of least resistance. Maybe we'll get into it mm -hmm. but as we go, but like an, in it's an interesting thing of like that th there are some forces and, and, and you talked about, like technology obviously being one and distraction and all of this like there there's resistance um out there and a lot of times we don't even have um like clarity on our principles you know so mm -hmm. it's like a it's like kind of the we've skipped over the starting point of this and then yeah. we're dealing with forces that are <laughs> pulling down yes, exactly. a bar that isn't even there mm -hmm. in the name of making people feel better about themselves which i think is really not happening um because it's not you know you can't lie to yourself forever there there is a you know at, at the end of the day you know that, that's one reason the weight room is, is, is you know is, is and and physicality is a great starting point for a lot of young people because it's it there's no sense of like oh well let me let me make it easier for you to, to do a pull-up uh, because, because, cause that'll make you feel better. It's like, no, you can either do a pull-up or you can't, you can either climb that rope or you can't, you can either, you know, squat 315 or you can't. So that these, and, and you know, rather than making people feel bad when they're behind, I've, in my experience, it's been the exact opposite. There is a, when there's, when there's these clear standards, there's this, you see these kids get activated by this idea that, I want to be able to do that. 
They see what is, you know, that they are not a finished product, that there is something greater they can be. They see a path to become that. They have friends who have already gotten there who more often than not, in my experience, bring them under their wing to show them, hey, this is what I did. This is how you can do it. So there's a sense of mentorship that comes about because of these standards as well. Um, so it, it does not become a, uh, I'm better than you. It becomes a, like, we have a shared appreciation for something. Uh, and, uh, like, that's going to unite us and push us together. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's interesting. Like, we, you know, we, we threw together some, some rough notes over the last, uh, you know, few days. And um, something you bring up and write about sometimes in your Substack that I, I don't also often think about is community. And maybe what you're talking about there is an example. Um, but yeah, sometimes I think that like what the other families might be doing in my neighborhood, for example, um, it, it can have an influence in it. It might be, you know, wonderful if we everyone was rowing in the same direction on on certain yeah. things. But again, I I don't know. I don't always um like emphasize that role of um community. Like, why is that an important thing that that you think is uh you know needs to be highlighted? Community, first of all, relationships. If you go like Dr. Robert Waldinger's um, recent book and the study out at Harvard, you know, relationships are really the, the, at the core of, of long-term health and happiness. Um, you know, to, to, to be isolated is, um, is worse for your health, I, I think, it was shown than, than to be uh, a, someone who smokes a pack a day of cigarettes. I mean, it, there's real health costs. And real, like, human flourishing costs, like real deep connection is essential. Um, and uh, the when you're talking about character formation, when you're talking about morality, you can't separate it from community, uh, from, from context. Uh, for, you know, obviously, it's, it's the way you, you know, often it just boils down to the way you treat other people. Um, Dr. Dr. Jonathan Heidegger, his book, The Righteous Mind, is just unbelievable and brilliant and that it really shows how morality is this insane social technology that is what has allowed human groups to be so successful at such a, a, a uh, at such scale. Um, and the as, as with my weight room example, you know, virtue, character, these are things that allow you to connect with other people. Um, these are, are, are really the, the best road to real love and relationship um, are through, uh, you, you know, so you can use, you know, see virtue is extremely, you know, confined, like puritanically. Um, but, you know, it, it's much broader than that. It's just like we as a group identify these as, you know, things that matter most in life. Uh, and that really gives you kind of a firm footing. Um, one of the things we went back and forth that I have in front of me, and I think it kind of makes this point really well, it's uh, uh, from uh, Dr. Jonathan Haidt's uh, The Happiness Hypothesis, but he's talking about uh, Alistair McIntyre's After Virtue. And he said, uh, he says in it, um, Cultures that have shared values and rich traditions invariably generate a framework in which people can value and evaluate each other. One can easily talk about the virtues of a priest, a soldier, a mother, or a merchant in the context of 4th century uh, BC Athens. Strip away all identity and context, however, and there's, a, there's little to grab onto. How much can you say about the virtues of a generalized homo sapiens floating in space with no particular sex, age, occupation, or culture? The modern requirement that ethics ignore particularity is what gave us, us our weaker morality, applicable everywhere but gripping nowhere. McIntyre says that the loss of a language of virtue grounded in particular traditions makes it difficult for us to find meaning, meaning coherence, and purpose in life. And so that's kind of, you know, the, the, the you know, context matters. The people around you matter. Um, it's, one, it's, it's one reason, like, even if you struggle with faith i think religious tradition is really powerful and can be one of the things that most enhances your life um 
it is worth exploring. Yeah, it it's interesting as well, like the um the that that passage, like connecting it to purpose. We don't also connect the dots with character formation and the meaning of life. Like and mm-hmm. like the whole project. Um yeah, it's 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 a fascinating thing. Um, like you talked about religious traditions, I, I find it fascinating in the way of like our particular virtues, our principles, values, like whatever you want to call them. Um, we can. It, it it seems like we are wise to get them from something bigger than ourselves. Like in the way that example I was talking about of like being in the military, you're getting mm-hmm. these values from something that is like a collective group, a community, mm-hmm. something that is bigger than yourself, something that is lasted longer than you have. Um, because you, you mentioned early in the conversation, this thing of like these things that people may care about are like non virtues or and it's like we have a name for those, like they're vices, <laughs> you know. It's like, <laughs> and it's like, that, when we create these things, just like solely on our our own, like in our own mind, our values might actually be vices, like the things that are most important to us, you know. And and that's um, it's like a humbling thing to recognize, like you know even in ourselves. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's like easy to happen. That's why some, um, I, I always remember a, a previous podcast guest that's been on a couple of times, Massimo Pigliucci, who's kind of has a focus on the philosophy of life thing. And he, I remember him stressing this point that it's, it's wise to adopt an actual philosophy of life that is already out there, you know, because mm-hmm. these things have already been like, worked out and tweaked and and honed it, you know they were built by groups of individuals committed to like this this word irritate like excellence you know it it's been so it's sometimes it's um like it, i don't know i think it's worth like reflecting on some of that stuff of whether you are adopting like a religious tradition and all of that just think about like what are the timeless things that exist out there when we're putting together some sort of standards to live by or maxims or whatever it may be. Yes, absolutely. Um, the, you know, the, the idea of the timeless, the, you know, the idea of what has come through the trial heat of history, the forging irons of history and you know, and pass through that to prove its worth Um, versus, I mean, what is every, not every, but what what do so many 18 year olds, you know, freshmen in college, what do they come to as what they hope can be uh, enough of, of, of a moral compass to satisfy their want to be a decent person, a good guy, a good girl, whatever, uh, but also want to get everything they want. Well, it basically boils down to uh, this really utilitarian, um, as long as I don't harm others, which is very murky. And it allows them to, and this is human nature, to over and over and over and over again, to rationalize what they want in the moment, to never have to become anything better, because you can always rationalize um, down a rabbit hole that you're fine because you're sweet, you're nice, you're not harming others. And again, that, that allows your context to be solely focused on yourself. It's a very individually focused way of life that most people kind of fall into. It's like, as long as I don't harm you, I can, I can drink to excess. I can watch tons of porn. I can, you know, I could, well, maybe I could justify cheating because like, you know, monogamy is wrong, right? Monogamy, like you can just justify all day long as long as it suits you. Um, you know, I'm a sweet guy though. I wasn't mean about this. I was, and you know, all day long. And, and at the end of the day, like, what is your God? It's you. Like, what are you serving? It's only you. What is above yourself? What, what would you sacrifice that you put in front of you? 
Um, you'll say your family. That's what they'll, they'll, you know, most of these people will opt to. But would they? And do they even believe they would sacrifice for their family uh, to the core of themselves? Um, and that's a really scary thing when you when you say you have these values, these virtues, these things you stand for. But in in your heart of hearts, you're questioning, like, you know, would I really? Or am I just saying this because you know I care about status and uh, like people want to hear this from you? <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, like 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 I think I I think it's a really what most people fall into naturally at age eighteen is a really unfulfilling way of living that is going to trap them in all these really, really, really bad, hard to break uh, habits of life. Maybe that's porn addiction. Maybe that's screen addiction. Maybe that's, you know, I, I, I eat nothing but processed foods. Um, you, you know, we could go in, in any different direction. There used to be the, this, this idea, uh, you know, there were injunctions from the church against gluttony. There was this, there was something, uh, Herbert Spencer talked about called physical morality. Um, and he talked about like when you don't take care of your body and, you know, you as a part of a community and everyone in it, you know, and everyone neglects the, uh, duty they have to take care of their own health. Then you pass that on to the next generation who then lives worse lives, shorter, worse lives. So, it's it's really this this difference of seeing yourself as this isolated individual who like just don't harm anyone and you can do anything you want versus like I'm connected to people. There's a bigger reason to for everything, uh, and that that gives purpose. Yeah, I love it, man. And you, um, I think it's such a good point and a a good uh, um title for a for a post for the Substack is the the rationalization rabbit hole like it ah, t- yeah <laughs> it totally is a a rabbit hole um and something that's interesting to me that i would love to you know explore as we go through this are the vices like a lot of times when we think of um a moral education it's like there's a focus on like the good, but like, like you brought up in terms of like gluttony, like it's, it's a vice in religious traditions. And, you know, you think about these things of like, um, or even like the definition of, of wisdom that some people come to, like, uh, knowing what is good mm-hmm. virtue, for example, like knowing what is bad vice. A lot of times we don't quite have clarity on, what actually is a vice? Like what is actually, you know, the opposite of the highest good type of things? Like what mm-hmm. is, you know, um, and it seems like there's clarity there. I think it was Kant who said something along the lines of a, a good approach is just trying not to commit vice, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I do mm-hmm. think there is like something to that. Like, uh, yeah. Um, and like you mentioned, like porn distraction all like you know you could go on and on but it seems like you you have to buy into the idea that that is not a good what you know if you want to call it vice what whatever it may be label it whatever and that is something to avoid um you have to like in the way of that that bar like here is the highest good well Mm -hmm. You got to kind of know, like, well, like may- maybe that's a divider of like what's above it, what's below it, um, type of thing, and and how do I really get intentional about avoiding the things that are below the standards that I've set for myself? Because um, it's so so easy to do. Well, and they pull on everyone, and I mean, it, it, it it's universally part of the human experience. They pull on everyone. Uh, they're more tempting and more available now than ever. Um, and uh, and to get back to the social thing, uh, typically the things that allow you to overcome vice, you know, this is one of the the, the reasons people fail at the New Year's resolutions. They fail at almost everything is like they don't make it social. <laughs> you know, if you want a yeah. commitment device that is going to help you overcome something, it's got to be social. It's got to be connected to people. It's got to be, um, you know, vulnerable. It's got to be out there, the, the, the truth uh of the situation um uh but yeah like it, it, vice honor and shame so you look at you know 
typical, you know, throughout, I argue in my book that, you know, typically throughout history, their civilizations have been honor cultures. And then more recently, we, we came to what we call dignity cultures. Uh, and then, you know, there, there's an argument that now we're, our culture is more than, you know, in more places than not, there's certainly exceptions, uh, a victimhood culture. And so like, these are kind of structures, but like an honor culture, it's really honor and shame. Uh, and dignity culture is important. Uh, and, and I argue that when you have a broad dignity culture of society uh, with a lot of subcultures that are honor cultures, it, it can be really good. Uh, but an honor culture, it's really simple. You know, they, they identify virtues and there is honors for approaching those virtues. They identify vices and there is shame for approaching those vices. Um, and that can sound bad and it can become destructive. It can become really destructive in an overly dogmatic, confined sense where you, you, there is no progress allowed, where, you know, the virtue of a woman is basically to be nothing but obedient and quiet. Like, you know, you can see how this, that could be destructive. Um, but you, you also have to see and take where they're really, really beneficial. Because again, like if virtue and vice are real things that have real merit and real, can really change the quality of your life then it's a really great thing to be in a subculture where uh, honors are out there that pull the group towards this really beautiful ideal uh, and where there's actual shame for things like cheating. You know, look at the school context. It's never been easy for, easier for students to cheat between chat GPT and smartphones and you know, apps. And yet there's no language or no sense of virtues that would discourage cheating <laughs> for these kids. So cheating is just the, you know, it's the air they breathe. It's like, well, you do it. See, look around. Everyone does it. It's not a bad thing. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I, when I think of, you know, virtue and vice, I think that uh, there is a balance. There needs to be conversation. There needs to be a real pursuit of like what is actually virtue, what is actually vice, not to get dogmatic and stuck uh, and things that could be really destructive. Um, and yet like we can't throw the baby out with the, with the bathwater and like understand that honor and shame are indispensable for creating a great, you know, subculture. Yeah. And it's another, um, thing that isn't really talked about and it's not really, you know, it's, um, like you make an important point of like a, a Delphic maxim, nothing to excess, like some of these mm -hmm. things to excess, obviously, like we have to know that, that nothing works to excess. But, um, but I, I've had, um, like some people on the podcast, uh, Owen Flanagan, who, um, like talks about, did kind of a cultural worldwide study of, of shame and how other cultures think about shame is different than how we think about it, you know, and he's mm -hmm. kind of, um, uh, makes this case for, shame um mm -hmm. as a natural and needed thing in <laughs> in society and sure. human development um not the like you might think like toxic shame would be like what sure. you're talking about that's the excess well of course nothing exactly. to excess and that's like yeah. another example of the the baby with the bathwater like shame is all bad or you know this this and that so it's so um not complicated, but it's like moral education is a thing. Like all of yes. these things, it you know, like any sort of discipline, math, science, you know, there's a prerequisite knowledge. There's education of all of these things to kind of navigate it, um, mm -hmm. you know, in some sort of wise way, you know, to the best of your ability. There's no sort of um, like the Arete thing in the way of pursuit of excellence is not like perfectionism type of thing yeah. of that. We, <laughs> that's not it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not going to be perfect. It's this perf pursuit of excellence. So it is interesting. Um, and I think this particular series to have a continued conversation around this topic and an honest seeking you know of wisdom in this area uh, i'm excited to do and I, i'm like i say i'm really grateful that 
you know, you've agreed to, to dedicate this much time and, and, uh, and do it, you know? Yeah, man. No, this is, <laughs> I live for this. This is the best. <laughs> <laughs> good, good stuff, man. I thought you, uh, yeah, I thought you might be up to it, but it's some, something I'm curious about. And we don't have necessarily have to, um, answer it today and we're not necessarily trying to like an- answer anything in particular, you know, just kind of having an overview but something that I've been thinking about in the way of um, like doing hard things, that's, it's not all of character formation, but you know, maybe it's the, it's the narrow gate. Like you're, you're, you're taking the, you know, the, the difficult path in, in a way oftentimes. And like, I, like I mentioned squat racks behind you, it's an example of the, the physical stuff. Um, I wonder, like, this focus, this, like, thing of technology, like, in modern yeah. times, like, some of the the things that exist that can be destructive, like, can have, you know, all, all sorts of problems. But isn't it also, like, an opportunity in the way of, like, the narrow gate to go on a... a, a uh, hopefully not a ramble here, but you think of, uh, you know, Seneca and different, you know, monks throughout time talking about all of this, like focus on distraction. And essentially they have like, they, they would probably like roll over in their, in their, in their graves, like the, the amount of distractions that we have today, but isn't it like also in a way like opportunities, like if we can set the bar, like if we know what is good, what is not wow it's kind of like a natural like narrow gate and difficult path to avoid you know it's like yeah like thanks for the obstacles along the along the path here for me to really um try to be intentional and try to be you know present in this uh you know kind of kind of chaotic world yeah i I, I love that. Um, I think it's really, it, it's the approach you have to take because, I mean, you can demonize the technology, but it's here uh, <laughs> and it's not going away, right? Um, so it's kind of like the, the Promethean struggle, right? I mean, w- we've been given fire and fire can burn your house down uh, if mm. you don't, if you're not, if you're not capable, if, if, if your community does not give you, does not have a character formation program that gives you the capacity to use fire to cook, to use fire to heat, uh, and, and to not let it get away and burn your house down and, you know, all and destroy. Right. And I think that's, you know, on a very deep level, like we're there times a billion, right? Uh, we have nukes, we have like smartphones in our pocket that learn from everything we do. Um, but yes, what an opportunity. I, I heard someone say before, um, I, 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 I heard someone say that, you know, or, that the, the the best the ideal like the highest height of of what would want is is a world that's kind of like star trek like where you know this technology takes care of these things so that we as a society can focus on the good you know we sit around we talk about philosophy we we aspire to to, to human excellence um and the you know in, in my mind like the fear is uh, the dystopia from wally like that is the other way you yeah. can go. You can allow yourself to just to be a passenger along this road towards, you know, just endless consumption, uh, endless distraction to where you there's literally nothing impressive about you. There's nothing of merit of quality about you. Um, and so, you know, to not focus on character formation is to go too far towards the passenger uh, side of that spectrum. And to focus on character formation is to hopefully pull us uh, towards a world where we can experience the riches of this technology um, and not be degraded in that process. Yeah, man, that's so good. And um, that's probably a great spot to, to wrap it up. Um, like sometimes I think about some of these challenges of modern life and in general, it's like wisdom is the way, like wisdom is the, 
antidote or whatever it, it may be to some of these challenges. But it's like, well, part of that is like it's character formation. Like it's how do we yeah. how do we cultivate that? Like we call that, you know, character. Um, so good. and how do we put people on the path to wisdom? Yeah, I think if there's not, you know, we don't want to be dogmatic about like this is this this is that you want to open the door to progress and and deeper understanding but if there's not some sort of moral formation early on then will you ever be activated to go deeper and explore and, and, and actually seek wisdom good stuff man um for anybody not familiar with um you know substack book uh you know would you mind taking a moment and just uh like pointing listeners that are interested in learning more about what you're up to in the world? Yeah, thanks, Josh. Um, my uh, book is called Setting the Bar, uh, subtitled Preparing uh, Our Kids to Thrive in an Era of Distraction, Dependency, and Entitlement. Um, and, uh, you know, that's available wherever good books are sold, as I say. And um, the... Uh, the the Substack um, you can find the link to the Substack. It's probably the easiest uh, through my website uh, trottershane.com. Trottershane.com. Uh, you can also find uh, links to email me. Um, through, you know, easy to connect with. Uh, you can find um, you know link to my book, uh, link to my Substack, all that good stuff. Nice, highly recommend it, and we'll uh, we'll put links in the in the show notes so it's easy to find and and all that stuff. All right. Well, Shane Trotter, thank you so much, man. Looking forward to uh, the Character Lab. Absolutely. Me too, man. Thanks. Thank you for listening. I hope you found something useful. If so, I encourage you to put what you heard into practice. If you're interested in more podcasts, meditations, and courses on the art of living, consider checking out our daily newsletter. Perennial Meditations on Substack. Until next time, be wise and be well.